Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. This is lols. People walking by will be like, oh, they are podcasting. (laughs) Oh, we always open with a cheers. We'll just do a fake cheers today. I'll just... Gemini can cheers. cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Hi guys, welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are joined today by a lovely guest. Julia Armet, who happens to be one of my freshman roommates and director of matchmaking at Talkify. Hi guys. Hi Julia, thank you so much for coming. I'm really excited to just share my story and hear some of your stories. Yeah, definitely. I know listeners, we're all very excited about, you know, anyone with knowledge of matchmaking in any way, shape or form. And Julia is quite an expert. Um, I, in fact, used Talkify to go on a date. This was date number 27. Yeah. Yeah. Kim, I am so impressed just with your persistence putting yourself out there. Yeah, I'm trying. (laughs) It's, yeah. I... I have questions for you about that, about how many dates it usually takes or, you know, for things to stick. But I'm pretty impressed with myself these days. It's Uh, very badass. I feel like as we're getting into the (laughs) 20s and and soon into the 30s, like, people are like, holy shit, Kimmy's been on a lot of dates. Um, Yeah. Feels like I haven't. Like, it's such a blur. Yeah. It's a numbers game. Yeah. Would you say that generally about dating? I'd say that um, part of dating is being able to use each experience to learn. And sometimes the lessons that come up allow you to become more vulnerable quickly. So it's different for everyone, but I feel like it is going to be about odds. So numbers game is a cool way to look at it. Yeah, I like that. That's what kind of part of like starting this was about. Like it is a numbers game getting out there. My therapist was like, if you want to get out there, go on a hundred. And we said, no, no, no. We're like that's a shitload. And yeah. let's put a play on an Adam Sandler movie yeah. title. But that's what happened. Um, but listeners, we just thank you so much for all your ratings and subscriptions and reviews. Keep sending them. They help so yeah. much. We hit 150 reviews, which is a big yeah. milestone. And let's make it 300. Yeah. When we <laughs> you get guys to- are all stars. <laughs> I mean, when we get to 300, we will... Do something, something that yes. I would have planned Ooh, if a, I had thought it's about it. It's a surprise. It. It's a really big surprise <laughs> that I definitely have planned. Super, uh, <laughs> super exciting. So let's just run down the episode in case we have any new listeners. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk to Julia a lot, and we're going to have a lot of our, our listener questions answered. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm so excited to hear your thoughts. Uh, we'll talk about my date, my, my only date I've ever gone on with a matchmaker, which was very cool. A lot of perks. And I think our theme is just, like, matching or yeah. whatever this episode is called. Yeah, totally. <laughs> our theme is, like, Julia. Today. Julia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Julia. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, on that note and on that theme, Let's Julia, do you want to, like, tell us a little bit? I'm just super curious because I know I feel like the highlights of your life story, but I want to know how you got into this. It makes a lot of sense, but then it makes no sense. So (laughs) I'll walk through just the important milestones. I went to NYU, went to Gallatin School, graduated with an independent study. So I was really interested in media, interested in psychology people. But I ended up um, mostly headed into the industry of hospitality after graduation. Learned a lot about people in the service industry and... um, Probably around the age of 24, I met one of my childhood icons, E. Jean Carroll, who is the advice columnist for Elle magazine. She's a 75-year-old woman who is 
absolutely inspirational. And she has become now my mentor, but in the moment where I met her, she had an opportunity and that was join my team of matchmakers. And I thought, matchmaker? Am I a matchmaker? I had no credentials other than just my wisdom and my intuition. But I entered into it at the age of 24, just with confidence, conviction. And before I knew it, they had put me into the role of director of matchmaking. And I've built the playbook. So it's now a team of about 150 matchmakers located across the country, all of whom don't necessarily identify as matchmakers, but can use their backgrounds from diverse industries to harness this collective matchmaking power that we've kind of manifested across the country. That's so, it's such a fit knowing you from my freshman year of college. (laughs) And, you know, I had a tumultuous freshman year in that, you know, I ended up transferring a lot of things though too. That's when my mom first was diagnosed, but you were always wise and calm. I remember you helping me like with Reiki, your energy, energy. You were just, it was a very great presence to have during the weirdest year of life. I'm sensitive to energy and I think that sensitivity to other people's energy particularly is one of my strengths in my role as a matchmaker leader as well as um, being someone who has worked as a matchmaker myself. You need to have that really high level of empathy to move through the ups and downs that the clients experience. And for you, when you were going through those challenging times, your pain is my pain and I know that... um, pain for everyone is experienced differently, but it's definitely relatable. Yeah. And I feel like that's so, it's so interesting to hear you talk about, um, energy and empathy in dating. Cause I feel like in our super app driven dating culture, something that feels very missing from it for me as someone who is outside, not being brave and going on stranger dates every week, it just seems it can feel so, um, like unhuman the the whole like phone app like aspect of it Mm -hmm. obviously it's human like when you meet the person but um but it's it's cool that that's something that I don't know it's cool that you spoke to that that's just like yeah there there is an opportunity for people to like see a human about dating yeah um when I was a matchmaker my approach had everything to do with the human element but I would call it my energetic approach. And today I call myself an energetic leader, but with um, my approach to matchmaking, I would sit there on the phone and really connect with people on an interpersonal level. And I would feel the way that my body was reacting to their tone of voice, their cadence of speech, really feel who they were based on the conversation, the interpersonal dynamic. And I would remember, oh, I felt that same way when I was interacting with that client of mine put those two people in the same room and yeah, that's compatibility right there. Mm -hmm. Compatibility takes so many different forms and it's a subjective concept. But for me, compatibility really is rooted in the energetic realm and being able to be on that same vibrational frequency. Well, that's really cool to hear about because with the apps so often you'll swipe on someone. I'm looking at Liza as though she knows, but (laughs) she has swiped for me. Someone is just your type on paper or just, and also you think is attractive and just, even has a funny joke in their hinge profile. But then you meet and in that in-person thing is just not there. That weird spark. Whereas, you know, if you're actually, if you're matchmaking, if you're actually talking to the people or meeting them in person, you have that sense of their energy. So maybe that, like, that's very appealing to me. You yeah. can match people based on, like, how their vibe is in person rather than this, like, curated profile. 
situation. And then the question of what does compatibility mean to you? Every person experiences that compatibility differently. And to some people, their currency of compatibility is so drastically different than the next. So it comes to the matchmaker to recognize the value system that the client is operating with and then curate the experience based on the currency that regulates your life. That's really interesting. So I'm sure our listeners are wondering, and I, I mean, I've gone through the process, but I'm sure Liza is wondering too. Can you just kind of explain like what becoming a client of Talk, how Talkify operates and what, what the steps are to, you know, finding a matchmaker? Yeah. Like <laughs> someone calls you and then what happens? Yeah. I feel like it's almost a bridge between online dating and then this real world matchmaking service. Mm. People find us, maybe they find it on Instagram, Facebook, they sign up online and they create a profile as they would on any dating site. But the main difference is it's private and it's not accessible to other users, but it's what we as a team of matchmakers use to figure out compatibility. Usually clients sign up for a certain number of guaranteed dates over um, a set amount of time. And that means that they would be assigned to a matchmaker, which is matchmaking in itself. And I'm responsible Mm. for that touch point. From there though, you and the matchmaker build a bond, build a trust. Sometimes it's virtual. You and the matchmaker do not live in the same city or other times you and the matchmaker do have that opportunity to connect in the real world. But so much can be accomplished virtually and then um, the client is able to relinquish all of their dating search to that person. It makes their life a lot easier. Yeah. And my experience, I, I wasn't in person with my matchmaker, Sash. Am I pronouncing that right? Sash. 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 Okay. Sash. I had a feeling, I, you know, anytime there's a microphone, I think about it twice. Um <laughs> On the phone, but we chatted for a while and I mean, I'll go through my whole process in a bit, but yeah, it was a lot like online dating until there was someone else involved and it took a lot of the weird logistics out of it. It was just, it was nice. It was refreshing after going on, you know, 20, whatever dates. Cause we've had some setups that were from online. Most of them have been from online, like me swiping me, you know, so I like and you're such part. a go-getter entrepreneur that I can imagine you're so used to driving things forward that for dating, you just want to take the back seat and let go. That's fair. Especially at this point in the experiment. Like I think it was good for me to have to push and put myself out there because truly before doing this, I was never like anywhere else I would push. I'd, you know, be happy to reach out to someone for a work thing or networking, but dating, I would always kind of let take a back seat. but now I'm kind of burnt out of go getting the dating. Yeah. So it was really nice. I was so grateful. Last week was very relaxing. Everything was set up my date. I mean, we can get into all those logistics, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Should we do while it. We're on it. Let's, why don't we talk about, about the date? It's so, date number 27, 27. Okay. I don't, I, I recorded my, we call them taxi cab confessions. It's my first impressions. Um, yeah, I'll just say, I can't remember what I said, not because I was hammered, just because this part could all be cut out. But okay. So here is my taxi cab confession for date 27, a date I did not have to plan. Thanks to talk about <laughs> All right. TCC for matchmaker date 1.0. Um, literally an angel from heaven. I didn't feel super into it. I also felt like he was maybe more into it or just like finding someone. I felt a little embarrassed to be like, I might be moving to LA. I am moving to LA at the end of July. But you know what? So 
so nice. Something to be said for, again, not knowing all these preconceived things. We weren't able to text each other before, all those things. It's just, I feel like everyone should try it. And honestly, I would prefer that more of my dates were match made. Um, Okay, more on the pod. Love you. Bye. You're so funny. Totally out of breath. Like, where was I walking? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think that really captured true emotion. And some of that is confusion where you recognize something that you really liked, which was you got to relinquish that control and there was zero preconceived notions. Mm -hmm. But then the person that was in front of you might not have been the love of your life. Some people come in thinking that every date will be. The fact is it won't be. Yeah, and I feel like it's good that a lot of them aren't because then you can learn more about what you like. But he was, he was, I just want to say, like a perfect gentleman, so well dressed. We, I'll break it down for everyone. We went to Mirandi. Well, this was all set up too by Talkify. Again, didn't even have to choose the place. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Or, and it was a brunch. She date. has good taste. She has great taste. I love Mirandi. Five out of five. We rate uh, out of five out of five dicks instead of stars of like, it's great. <laughs> I don't know how it started. It started, but it's wonderful. Um, And we went for brunch, which was something I hadn't done yet. I had done a day, like a later afternoon beers at a beer hall date and like a bowling afternoon date, but I hadn't done a brunch. There is something, usually I choose drinks and I might've even written this on my feedback, which we'll get to, but I think it was good that we had a meal. It sets time like that you're going to spend together. I, I just, something feels more serious about it, um, in a good way. Yeah, sometimes it's different. I think it's really about the client. And um, you were invited to participate and go out on a date with one of our clients. And sometimes the matchmaker curates a date thinking about what's going to set the client up for success. Mm -hmm. And for you, it was something new because you usually don't do brunch dates. Mm -hmm. But I think that the interpersonal dynamic that ensues has everything to do with the stage that you set. Yeah. So in that stage, you go out there and you discover some things about yourself. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we still had a couple drinks. Like, he was totally down for a Sunday fun day. Um, Yeah, and he was so sweet. I think my thought was this. When I spoke to Sash on the phone, and she asked a lot of questions about what I liked. Would I be open to this? Like, she had someone in mind, your client in mind. And I said yes to everything. And I think, like, if I were redoing it. And again, I don't know how I would know. Like, I still think he was a great match. He was so wonderful. I just got the vibe that like his face really dropped when I told him I was probably moving to LA and moving to LA this summer. So I felt like almost like I had let him down, even though I'm not saying he was super into me, but I just, I don't know. It seemed like he seemed, he's very successful. His outfit was made him look very successful. And I also, the only preconceived notion I had, I know I'm jumping all over the place, was that She asked me if I'd be open to going on a date with a Trump supporter. And this has come up. So it's something I actually would not have learned about him on the date. I I would not have known. Um, But she, and I said yes, because I'm trying to be open-minded. And it truly didn't come up um, barely. Like we touched on the like, oh, everyone's politically correct today. But that's not really a Trump supporter type thing. And I said yes, because... I got kind of called out early on when I said, like, I wouldn't be down. I'm, I was just very angry about some things that our president was doing, uh, values-wise. And I was wrong because this was a lovely date, and I don't think I don't think that I would have even found out on a first date that he had supported Trump. But I went in. That's the only thing I knew beforehand. So I just had some 
Yeah. And then, then I, I, I think he was a perfect date. I just didn't feel like a, a spark, you know, and he was That's an attractive okay. man yeah. and took really good care of himself. And yeah, like it's just, it's just like when you go out there and you honor the fact that no, there was no spark for you. If there was for him, that's his experience. But you, something so admirable is you're so open to opportunity. And that's at the crux of success. When you can see opportunity, you can take opportunity, and you can learn something from opportunity. Whether you're winning or losing, I don't really believe that it's always about winning or losing. I think it's about willpower and learning. So if you want to change that W to willpower and the L to um, lessons, I think you're going to get a lot out of dating without having that level of accomplishment or rejection mm-hmm. that can often create those ups and downs. That's such a good point. Cause I did, I also, there's something freeing and like you give feedback after the date, which is so interesting privately to your matchmaker and there's feedback being given about you, but really your matchmaker helps you navigate. Like, do you want to hang out again? Because sometimes mm. when someone just texts me, I get weird and I'm not sure because I'm like, you were literally perfect. I just, it doesn't make sense for me to take up another night of your time if you're looking, you know, but I felt like I had this, um, person, not like on my team, on both of our, just to help navigate all the awkwardness afterwards. So was the matchmaker in theory, the person who said to him, like, you know, she's not gonna, I don't know. I don't know. Cause seat. he had my number too, but I haven't okay. heard from him. Is that cause he was waiting? I believe that a matchmaker does a pretty good job expressing the feedback of the match. So if you said, you know, I thought he was wonderful. I thought he was well-dressed, but I do not see long-term potential. He'd get that. And then I feel like it would just prevent the two of you guys from having that awkward moment where you drop the bomb. Right. So that is definitely a huge relief where you don't have to worry about how am I going to break the news that I do not want to see this person again. Yeah, that was that was I didn't realize that would happen because I was almost like, oh, feedback. Right. Like I, I that was very interesting. It also, you know, as one with a podcast, I reflect on every date every week. But um I don't know. It forces you for our listeners out there. It forces you to like, think about it and really consider things. And honestly, if I were at a different point in this experiment or not moving, like I really, I would have done a second date because my, my goal coming in was like, go on second dates when you like the person. I feel like one date isn't like, unless something really terrible happens or it's truly, you know, no, that outlook, that outlook is an outlook. I think more and more people need to possess It's like expecting that on one experience, which is so staged, that you're going to be able to see all parts of someone and be able to connect on all levels. No, that doesn't happen. It's like going on an interview, then getting the job. It happens over time where you really ingratiate yourself with somebody, an opportunity, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, how many people are friends with someone for like years and then start dating? You you, you know, it it takes time. I love it when that happens. I know. (laughs) It's great stories. Yeah. Like it it takes time to know people. It definitely takes longer than 90 minutes, you know, to to How long did it last? Pretty long. We got two rounds. We had a drink with Brunch and we had two rounds of drinks after. That's impressive. Yeah. I had to meet a friend because it was like midday. It was truly one later in the afternoon. So, but he was like, do you want to keep hanging out? You know? Yeah. I mean, there's something to be, I've said this before, a Sunday or Saturday afternoon. It's kind of fun and freeing and you're not tired after work if you, and, and technically not that I felt like I needed an out, but you do have an out because you have nighttime plans. Maybe yeah. if it goes something 
terribly. But isn't that validating to know that you're just such good company that he's like, oh, I want to spend the whole day with you. It was very validating. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that happens to you a lot. It does. Yeah. People like to like hang with you. And you like to hang too. I like to hang. That's the other thing. I do like to hang. Um, And then I just want to, before we get into questions or I want to ask you so many things, just to our listeners out there who are feeling stuck. Many of you are in dating, especially online. We see a lot of complaints about setting updates and not hearing anything the day of till 4 p.m. and people not 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 showing up but just canceling flaking this happened to me so many times you don't worry about this with talkify with a matchmaker because you set it all up for me that was also so nice not just because it was easy for me but like i there was less like back and forth like oh i won't one of these weeks i've had this awful back and forth with someone i actually had to screenshot and send it to liza because it was just like one of those, like, meet me halfway. Okay, can you come to the Upper West Side? This is, like, the second time this has happened with the Upper West Side. And yeah. it's like, that's not halfway between the Upper West Side and Greenpoint. This is yeah, like, oh, girl. I'm like, that's not no. halfway. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah, so I just, I, I highly recommend it for our listeners who are frustrated by that back and forth with people you might not even end totally. up meeting. And also, like, we're not sponsored by Talkify. Like, genuinely, yeah, like, true. just, like, that's enjoyed true. this service. And, like, I'm I'm just, so I feel like it's worth that. saying that. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for being open to the opportunity and yeah. knowing that, you know, no expectations going in, but it's just an opportunity to meet someone new and appreciate what's being done for you, which is you're outsourcing your dating life, the logistics, all the back and forth. It makes it easier for people who just don't want to drive that machine forward at any, I yeah. mean, don't want to drive it forward anymore. Yeah. And and that was after one date, like, you know, Sasha would have known me better after two dates. Like if you, I could see how this would be really interesting, almost the way I wanted you to, as my friend to push me out of my comfort zone yeah. or, or look on my bumble and you know, like it, it would be different if I didn't have a podcast, wasn't moving all sorts of things, but like really utilizing the service more than once, I could see being even more helpful. It's a yeah. process. It's like you iterate, you learn. Yeah. Just like with making a podcast, every episode, you know what the, the people like to hear. And then over time, it's like you make it so that the readers are just hooked. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. It's like with anything. So should we jump into our questions? There are so many. Of There's that. a lot of them. I can't so. wait for the question. Uh, yeah. One brief but important question before we move on from day yeah. 27, which is what did he order? <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. Because we didn't get pasta, because it was like brunch menu too. Yeah. But I feel like I should have. He, got, I got a frittata and he got, it was like a focaccia with eggs on it situation. Okay. It was a very Italian okay. brunch. Just wanted to make sure nobody got like salads at brunch because I'm not about that. I know, shit. I know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, my frittata was the size of my head. Like Sounds my incredible. plate and my head. And I ate so much of it. I was almost like... And two giant, like, grilled pieces of bread. I was like, he seems oh like he's so going to maybe, like, not be cool with meeting this much. But he was fine. Um, yeah. That's a good question. Obviously very important. I have very you strong guys are feelings so about funny. <laughs> Yeah. You guys are just, like, I feel like sisters, the way that you have the back and forth. It's so compatible. <laughs> we point, talk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, out of control. Enough. I talk to Kimmy more than I talk to my boyfriend. <laughs> and I live with him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, okay, cool. Let's go to the listener questions now that we got that very important. I just feel like with with brunch ordering, I would know pretty quickly if I could date someone or not. It might be less important to you. You're right. Especially at an Italian place. I have a lot of feelings. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I feel like we have... <laughs> Sorry. But I didn't order anything. Like, I should have ordered pasta, 
at Mirandy, but I don't know. I was just, I was going off of him. I do this on dates. I like default. I, Her so, voice is in your ear on the date, and you're like, oh my god, I yeah. should have, I should have done a cool. No, or I, mean, I love Mirandy. I love the pasta. No, you don't there. have to be a cool I, order. It's just if I go to brunch with someone and they get like a kale salad, I'm like, why are we doing this? You know what I mean? And I also feel strongly that at brunch, this is actually my boyfriend's sister's signature move that she taught me. That like you should get a sweet item for the table. Oh my college oh, friends! Wow. Yes. Oh, because nobody wants a sweet item for their whole thing. Mostly, it's like a gray dog where you always get just like the banana yeah. bread. Yeah. yeah, just like one thing for the table for or everyone a French to have a toast. Couple. Yeah, or just yep. like pancakes or something so that everyone can have like two or three bites of it. Shout out to my Boston <laughs> college friends who absolutely do that at every brunch we have. I feel like we're always going to brunch when we all see each other again. I mean, because we're basic bitches, but, um, (laughs) but we always get like whatever the really ridiculous or like the cinnamon button, like for the table. And then you're just like, yeah, Yeah, it's, I mean, it's such a good move. And I feel really silly that I didn't learn it until I was like 25. Thanks, Margo. (laughs) Shout out to Margo. Um, so, okay. On to more important questions. (laughs) Um, are they, I don't know. Yes, they are. Um, Okay, I think that so just kind of generally, um, who do you see as people who should be seeking out your services rather than trying the dating scope on their own? Yeah, I think a lot of busy professionals, especially in major metropolitan areas, I think people who have used online dating apps and they're just exhausted from the swiping, I find that people who don't know how to overcome their roadblocks or people who know that the feedback um, that they are receiving isn't allowing them to grow. Sometimes there's more to it and relying on the matchmaker to help them through um, the journey of dating and learn about themselves. So much of the value in this experience is truly about self-discovery and self-development. I see that there are so many different types of people, but um, in terms of the outcome My advice to anyone out there who is curious about seeking out a matchmaker, don't have one outcome in mind. Just know that being open to receive love is the theme that most of our clients have in common. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so true. If someone's hiring a matchmaker, they're serious about dating. They should be. They should be. That's fair. Does that happen sometimes? Because I I know online, it's it's a... you know, is it even ethical what I'm doing if I have to go on more dates or like if you're online swiping and you don't write here to have fun and that whole, I'm not ready for a relationship thing comes up. Yeah. I think profiles say one thing Mm -hmm. and then people behave another way. It's like the marketing versus what you actually do. The question of why do people self-sabotage? Self-sabotaging is what gets in the way of success and addictions to the swiping of dating also prevent people from finding a partner. Mm -hmm. So I think that readiness to explore yourself, same with the openness to receive, both are so essential to the success of anyone who pursues this. Yeah. And I just, I've got to imagine the percentage of fuck boys for lack of a better term is lower. (laughs) Uh, Although we have all different listeners who date all different genders, but, and are all different genders. Okay. I'm just going to shoot myself on the foot on this one, but basically <laughs> I just, I would, I would imagine people are taking it more seriously if they're utilizing a service. That's not just, you know, a free app you download on your phone. I think deep down they do want love, mm-hmm. but why do people do the things they do? Sometimes they don't even know. Yeah. And so it's just about exploring why you do the things you do as you move through this with the support of 
a matchmaker. Yeah. And when you find that someone is maybe not, um, not open or not, um, getting out of their own way or like is veering into maybe like fuck boy <laughs> tendencies, what is that something where like you, and again, fuck boy could be a girl too. I've been a fuck boy, arguably. Um, arguably I'm talking about my match made date on a podcast. So I guess I'm a fuck girl in this situation. No. Um, but like what? In that situation, is it something where matchmakers are able to like, like you said, like how would you, when you were, when you were actively doing matchmaking, how would you have handled that situation? I teach the matchmakers and I had the opportunity to matchmake myself. So the advice that I would share with any matchmaker or give myself when a person's behaving like that, I always say, shine the mirror, shine the mirror. And generally, when you ask questions that allow people to see for themselves. So if someone is getting in the way of their own success, saying things like, oh, you said you liked her. Oh, did you stop texting her? Oh, why do you think you stopped texting her? And you just keep probing with questions to the point where you don't stop the questions until they have that moment of clarity. And that's the greatest gift of all. You arriving at the understanding for yourself. It's like therapy. Yeah, I was yeah. just thinking. I feel like my like, therapist would yep. say those exact. Yeah, wow. It's we kind of are. Yeah, it honestly. The line. Yeah, it. I bet it does. Um, okay, so sh- should I just read the next one? It's kind of nice that they're in people's voices. Totally. Well, there was one other kind of general one I wanted sure. to ask. Yes, go ahead. Like because I think it'll cover a lot of other stuff in the other questions. What um. What, like, specific points of compatibility are you looking for when you're making matches? I love that question. This week, we did one of our weekly matchmaker educations on compatibility, and I called it crafting compatibility. And I talk about compatibility factors. And the compatibility factors, there's a hierarchy for each person. Before, when I was saying the currency of compatibility, it's really about your hierarchy of these factors. Looks, status, personality, goals, interest, hobbies, purpose, religion, faith, politics, the lenses that a matchmaker can take. For me, the overarching compatibility factor that regulated my matchmaking was energy. But then again, that's my area of life's purpose fostering sustainable energy for people. So I just think that depending on the perspective of the matchmaker, as well as what matters to the client value-wise, it's going to be about joining in the middle. We don't want the matchmaker imposing their currency onto the client or the client imposing their value system onto the matchmaker, but meeting almost in the middle, validating what works on both sides so that you guys are smooth sailing together. Yeah, that's interesting. Cool. It's, it, feel, it really feels like a crafting, an art. Uh, it just, yeah. It's, yeah, it's so fascinating. Do you find that there are certain of those compatibility points that you mentioned that if they're askew, things have a hard, have a hard time moving forward? That's another very good question. The first day of matchmaking, when I was training to be a matchmaker, that was done by E. Jean Carroll. And I'll never forget what E. Jean said. Now, I'm putting this out there. If E. Jean has since shifted her viewpoint on this, I think that's an E. Jean thing to do. She constantly evolves as she learns and grows. But what E. Jean said that day was, match based on looks and status. And I said, no, 
thinking that, okay, there's more things to looks and status, but it's an illusion. If you match people who enter the room and they see each other and they reflect each other's status, they're going to be open to seeing the true factors of compatibility. Mm. So it's just about creating that initial, um, moment where they actually open them up, open themselves up to receive. So looks and status are almost like a opener to the true layers of compatibility. Mm. So it's almost like a psychological trick that we play on people. It's like they want to be open to receive and really explore. Mm. Don't just sit them down at the table with somebody who lines up perfectly on paper if they're not attracted to each other. Do your best to align based on looks and status, and then they'll sit down and they'll be open to understand the person in front of them. We talk about this a lot, how like even the apps, like we love for, but attraction is a factor. And even the apps are based on some sort of attraction, whatever, it's biological. you know, it's, it's, and that's true. You can, you know, open yourself up more if you're just, you know, you feel something earlier on. I don't know. Yeah. It's such a tricky thing. We always talk about, but it's like, it's also real attraction is necessary. It doesn't always have to be physical in the way you expect it to. I don't know. This process has taught me that like what I think I'm attracted to or my type is, it's just like the last guy I really liked, you know? Yeah. And what I'm actually attracted to is like, you know, I definitely think that person is attractive to be swiping on the internet, but it's like a different attraction. When I say looks and status, it's actually about the fundamental law of like attracts like, and people who see themselves in the other Since this is a blind process, it's up to the matchmaker to see one person's photo, see another person's photo. Of course, they'll be screening the two people, too, over video so they get a better sense of who they are energetically. But when um, you see one person at fine dining at a restaurant enjoying themselves with friends in a photograph, and another person's whose lifestyle literally mirrors the exact same situation, one person courtside at the Celtics game, another person courtside at the Cavs game, (laughs) you're like, they live the same lifestyle, look, status, Boom, you know they sit down at the table that they at least can bond over basketball. Mm, that's those sort of things. Yeah, definitely. At courtside Celtics, that's yeah, you all the time. All the time. <laughs> um, yeah, Julie and I also grew up a town away from each other, which oh, is crazy. Yeah, it's it, it's really wild. What town yeah. did you grow up in? I grew up in Medway, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Liza's cousin and like best friend, who I know all is from Westwood. So we're all Westwood. we're all in the yeah. Route one twenty eight. Yeah. Yeah. We're all in the Fully. same. The Amtrak station I, I get off every totally. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, funny. Okay. I have like so many questions. I know. It's, I, I feel like we should need to do listener questions, but I have like, I'm just going to go for it. Out. I can take questions. No, I all mean, day. I have questions that are just like, we don't even, I, I'm so fascinated by this whole process, but we should probably be listening. No, questions I, you, instead you, of, you get a question. <laughs> okay. Like you deserve it. You deserve okay. it. Okay. Here's my, here's my like drunk feminist corner question even though I'm not drunk. Um, (laughs) uh, Do you find it hard in New York with so many super high status women to match them with men who want someone up their status? That in fact is perhaps on a psychographic level, one of the major things we run into where we've got women who've manifested success from a male perspective, meaning if you're looking at power and that attribute of power and when women really are high power, it can be conventionally received as a masculine attribute. So I think that 
women who know their worth and are looking to find a man who mirrors that, it's important to understand why. Why is it so important to you that the man that you're with mirrors that? If that's to do with being able to take those trips, being able to, um, like, be able to talk about the same things that matter. Maybe it's even about ambition. Mm-hmm. But when you find the why, you can almost switch someone's expectation to know it's possible you've created greater success than the person that you'll end up with. But that's not going to compromise your happiness if you guys do share in the same things that you enjoy. So sometimes it's about taking these women who do have this expectation to find a partner who is even one up. But we as women, we've kind of broken the mold in so many ways and we've been able to become industry leaders. It's not always possible that the man who we're with is going to have the same power and that's okay. It's recognizing what power means to you. And more than that, what are your actual needs outside of power, outside of significance? Are you looking for love and connection? Are you looking for growth? Are you looking for stability? And so I think sometimes redefining your currency, those women with power, they've been used to regulating their professional worlds with the currency of power, but maybe regulating their personal life requires them to start approaching it through the lens of connection. Yeah. So not always needing to be with that person who's more like for these high powered women in New York, like not needing your, your equal or like being more open-minded kind of, is that, I don't know. How will power fill your needs? That's the question. Mm. It's like, okay, you do want power. What happens next? We gave you a man who is of the same caliber. We gave you a man who you see in the workplace all the time. Do you like the people you work with? Do you like the men who are competing with you for those roles, maybe that's not the type of guy who you're going to be able to be your best self with or who's going to bring out the parts of you that make you feel most feminine. Interesting. It's self-discovery. It truly is. Yeah. It's, it can get so deep. But do you think that the men, for the men, there's a similar problem where they're having to face their, their notions of what it means to date someone Like, I think, I mean, I think that a lot of men have, like, unfairly internalized the idea that they should not date someone who is as powerful as they are. I think things are changing all the time and, like, for the better. And, like, there's lots of men who obviously blah, blah, blah. You know, you do all the things, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Pretend I said all the correct things. But, like, (laughs) is that something that you have to deal with being you know, trying to make matches with so many I think powerful women. Every date we're looking at it and thinking about it like as social politics, every date is an opportunity to let go of something that's not serving you. So if for those men believing that they have to be more powerful than that woman, the matchmaker can kind of shape society with each micro level exchange. They give them a date with a woman who is of the same caliber and says to that gentleman, how did her presence make you feel? And he says, she made me want to be better. That's pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. It's like you're allowing him to see that what he thought, what he thought he wanted was very different than what he felt. 
He had aspiration. He had inspiration. He had everything on that match to make him expand and create a lifetime of fulfillment. But it wasn't the person that he was told that he should be with. Like little like mind manipulation, just kidding. It's cool. not manipulation, but <laughs> it's cool. Is, but like, just like that's the way to get through to men. To be a politician, you know? <laughs> I mean, that is God's work, dude. You're just trying. Yep. Thanks for doing that. Um, <laughs> and and again, don't add us few straight men who listen to our podcast. Or do tell me I'm wrong. I mean, yeah, that's you know. true. I'm sure you guys have a lot of secret admirers out there. I don't know. I wish there were more people. You've got asked on some e dates. You've got asked on some dates by some. I mean. Yeah. Okay, here is another question, which I found really interesting. Is there a racial component to matchmaking? I.e., are matchmakers more inclined to match people within their race, ethnicity, or culture? Is there data data on whether or not people prefer to be with others of the same race, ethnicity, or culture? When I compare what Talkify does to what online dating apps do, one thing that online dating apps do is they create the paradigm, and one of the filters that they have is race. Mm-hmm. And so... That is, in a way, very much a very limiting functionality of those apps. With matchmakers, and again, I'm responsible to train every matchmaker, I say, ask questions that open the person up. So don't say, are you um, open to dating this race? Are you open to dating that race? Approach it realizing that interracial is all of us. All of us in this country, most likely, are interracial. So what is interracial? Interracial is the fact that this, the United States, we're all different races who came here. We're immigrants. And so when people go out there and they start making matches, normalize race. Don't talk about race. And if the feedback that comes through is, I wasn't expecting this person to be of this race and that's different. This is this. How that make you feel? Mm. So it's, it's truly more about testing, seeing. I think um, as clients react to certain things, we truly can get a huge sense of what they were raised to believe. And my goal through just being in this leadership position and being able to shape the perceptions of so many of our daters is recognizing that some of those superficial things don't matter. So I'm a firm believer in pairing people based on energy and allow race to come up in feedback. But that's how you will able to then shape the client's journey forward. Yeah. Yeah, it's being open-minded to that. Because I think people, even if they're not racist, even, like, they don't, they swipe in a way that they don't stay open-minded to people who don't look like them. And, yeah. It's the familiarity, the certainty of the familiar. I think what's so much more exciting, though, this is just my own opinion, doesn't have to be everybody's, but it's exciting to meet someone who has just an authentic perspective and I find that people who come from mixed backgrounds particularly bring a unique value system to the table because they're having one parent, one race, another parent, another race. And I tend to really be drawn to people who do have that diversity of experience to bring to the table. Yeah, definitely. And I'll just, now on that note, I'll mention also what was kind of cool is that I didn't know what my date looked like until the date. He was described to me in some ways, but more of like what he's into and so that was very interesting I how did you that. find him i guess was there like we a- both asked for sash when we got there and we actually kind of didn't even have to do the dance because we were there at the same time oh, wow oh, hey, hey. so funny 
Yeah, I think he heard me and then was just like, Kimmy? And yeah, so it was oh, super funny. easy. But I liked that it was kind of like I went on a date for the Undateables for Time Out New York. and You did? I did. Oh, Kim, oh that goodness. was a risk. I, <laughs> did you feel good about it? I did. And it was, yeah, they shouted out the podcast too. And my date was super nice. He also knew Hannah, my editor, who you know, they Julia. It's a small, small world. Let's, let's give Hannah a plug. Yeah. Playing with Matches, Hannah is publishing a book in June. It's yeah, June 18th, we're going to try to have her on. Yeah, That'd we're going to try to make it work. I was talking to her. Um, yeah. Oh, all the questions. Well, she'll have so many yeah. answers for your questions. Uh, okay. Let's do one more question. So this listener asks, when you want to get married or have children or start a new career, um, when most people you know are too old, how do you find a mate who is open to this? The men I've dated want younger women for these things. I'm exploring modern advancements, adoption, etc. Um, men my same age, 54, have stopped seeing me even though they want they they want exactly what I want. Um, yeah, that's basically. <laughs> this is another, I'm going to label it again like a psychographic issue where because in our culture you find that men at a certain age want to date much younger, it can, in a woman's eyes, especially a woman who is trapped in this belief that you need a man to have a family. It can be debilitating. It can stunt them. It can make them feel hopeless. But for any person out there who does have the aspiration to be a mother, it's just good to realize that being a wife is separate from being a mother. And so just know that those two narratives might unfold differently and they might not be one story. They might be two different plot lines. Hmm. And that's okay. It's just about being open to the possibilities that could that could happen for you. So is this something you would screen a client for? Like, let's say our listener was was a client. Would you screen the people you match? And she let you know this is important to me. Someone who'd be wouldn't get like knew my age and was okay with that. Would there be a way that you would screen your ma- the match for his or her openness to that? Um, before, before people come on board, we try to understand what their expectations are. Mm-hmm. And um, we want to set people up for success. So a woman at the age of 54 who wants to have a kid, my question to you, who, if you're listening, is what's holding you back from manifesting your happiness? If you want to be a mom, you deserve to be a mom today. And so, yes, as you simultaneously pursue that, you're going to probably be simultaneously meeting men. And if they happen to be open to your life, sure, many of them are divorced fathers themselves. I find that leading without these criteria, but assessing compatibility and then maintaining some level of, um, I'm going to call it just confidentiality when it comes to where you want to be a year from now, two years from now. Sometimes you discover that together and the roadmap evolves. So just know it's not about um, waiting for a man who's going to be abiding by what you need as your vision. Mm-hmm. The vision takes shape together. Yeah, I think some, but I do understand like when people would like, you know, a partner to get a child. Totally. Yeah, and no, and yeah, I just... Do you, yeah, it just seems like that that's a hard dynamic as women. I mean, I've even noticed this at 29, you know, men swipe all the way down to like, I used to go on dates with people who are 29 when I was younger in my twenties by a lot. And it's like our pool gets smaller seemingly. And I just, yeah, that sucks. I find that's really funny when, um, I talk to men who feel like they do have age criteria 
And then I describe a woman, and at the end of the conversation, he goes, well, how old is she? I say, that is a piece of confidential information, but tell me what your age range is. He'll say, oh, 29 to 34. And I'll say, thank you so much for your time today, and I really appreciate your transparency. We're actually not going to do this match. And then the person feels somewhat scared, like a FOMO, and says, well, wait, how old is she? She's two years outside your age range. Well, I mean, I'd be open to meeting her. Mm -hmm. It's not as much a negotiation as it is allowing them to see that what we care about isn't about age. And maybe they'll let go of whatever beliefs they have about age. Yeah. But that's the social politics at work with every date that we curate. Yeah. No, it's so interesting how you navigate that. These tricky, tricky things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I literally could ask you questions for the rest of the afternoon, but (laughs) we have to go. We will. Um, Kicked out. So um, let's let... Julia, do you want to shout out TalkFi's social media or anything like that? Totally. For anyone listening, curious to explore the dating paradigm that Kim had the opportunity to see... I'd recommend going on to Talkify.com, T-A-W-K-I-F-Y.com. Follow us on social media, at sign Talkify. And then our blog, the Hardlytics blog, it's just very informative. Um, Our matchmakers often feature their voices on that blog, so you can learn a lot about dating. And if you decide to pursue this, we look forward to meeting you and allowing you to see what this is all about. Yeah. And we'll obviously post all of that stuff in our secret Facebook group, we which you will. should join. That's where these listener questions came from. We had many more that we didn't um, get a chance to talk about. But yeah, we'll have um, to invite Julia into the secret Facebook yeah, group. Yeah, totally. I think I am. Okay. <laughs> oh my God, amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, join that. You can search us on Facebook. And please follow us on Instagram at 51firstdatespod. You can email us at 51firstdatespod at gmail.com. Please, please keep sending us your worst first dates, your best dates. We will read them again. We have so many good ones. We're making a backlog. Like we're probably possibly going to do an episode where we just read those because they're so fun. They're so good. Um, And yeah. Thank you so much, Julia. This was amazing. I had so much fun with you guys. It's so fun. We'll have to have you You guys need to literally like just be on first dates with people. Like you guys are inspiring so many people out there. <laughs> I'm I'm just very happy that um, you have this platform to share. Yeah, Thank that's you. our favorite part. Our listeners are the reason I keep going because yeah, it's been so nice to hear about people's experiences. Just dating yeah. is so weird, and everyone can relate. Even you know when you're in a relationship or like Liza or, yeah. or not, it's always, yeah, there's just a lot of things to talk about. And totally. I feel like I learned stuff about my long-term relationship through talking about dating and stuff. You know, it's like, it's all, we're all just fucking humans trying to yeah. <laughs> yeah. figure it out. It's validating. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very validating what you guys do. Thank you. So we always sign off by telling our listeners to go on a date if you want to join us. Um, so yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Julia. Juliet. And go on a date. Go on a date. Go on a date, guys. <laughs> Special shout out and thanks to Jim from Five Ohm for recording our episodes and making us sound pretty. Yes, thank you. And also a big shout out to Anthony also from Five Ohm for making us sound really good in post. And you should check Five Ohm out online at fiveohm.com. And that's spelled F I V E O H M. Ohm. Um.